Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I hold no definitive knowledge on the topics I talk about. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself before sharing. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware that I don't shy away from F-bombs, and I don't bleep them out. So listener discretion is advised. This is episode 72 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science, skepticism, environment, wildlife, and ways ways people can be better for future generations. On today's episode, I talk about FFRF's winner for this year's Strong Backbone Award, the effects of sea level rise in England expected by 2050, ecotourism, and blood pressure e tattoos. If you've joined me before, then thank you so much for returning. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you find it both fun and informative. I've yet to do a segment on FFRF, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, but I will someday. Maybe with today's politics, it should be a main segment, or get its own episode. But that's not today. Today I want to point out someone they will be honoring with the Strong Backbone Award. I will play audio of her heroic statement in a bit. First, where is this award coming from, and what is it for? FFRF has an annual convention every October. This year is the 45th anniversary, and it's being held on October 28th and 29th. There are dinners, breakfasts, workshops, awards, speeches, presentations, and probably more. This year the motto is, Do Mess With Texas, and the keynotes will be presented by Julia Sweeney and John Irving. Megan Hunt the heroine who stopped a very dangerous abortion bill and whose audio I played on episode 64, will be receiving one of two Champion of the First Amendment awards, and I honestly couldn't think of a better candidate for that one. Some of the other awards presented at the FFRF convention, they have an amazing essay contest for free-thinking high school and college students. A $5,000 scholarship is awarded to the winner, and you should hear these kids read their essays. It's some of the most inspiring shit you'll ever have in your ear holes. I believe the winner and finalists read their essays throughout the convention. FFRF has played audio of some on the weekly show in the past, and some of these kids actually put a flicker of hope in my darkened soul. There's also a Free Thought Heroine Award, the Nothing Fails Like Prayer Award, an Emperor Has No Clothes Award. This one, to quote the description, is reserved for public figures who take on the fabled role of the child in the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale and tell it like it is. But about religion. There's an Atheists and Foxholes Award. To quote the description of this one, to combat the ridiculous myth that there are no atheists in foxholes, and in particular, to recognize activism to defend the constitutional principle of separation between state and church, which every soldier takes an oath to uphold. There's also a Freethinker of the Year Award, which goes to people who win lawsuits which uphold the separation of church and state. And then there are several special awards and special recognition of supporters and fighters for free thought and, obviously, for the separation of church and state. The workshops of the convention this year will be Death, Dying, and Disbelief, and What You Can Do to Support Abortion Rights, both of which I would totally attend if I could. 
One other thing I want to point out is the Saturday morning breakfast. No moment of silence for these folk. They open with a moment of bedlam, which is always great. I always love hearing the audio of that. Anyway, that's the annual FFRF convention in a nutshell. Now, this year's winner of the Strong Backbone Award is Adrienne Martin. She testified before a school board in Granbury, Texas on August 22nd, and everyone on our continent should hear her and pay the fuck attention. I'm putting audio in here, and I think I figured out how to do it properly this time, unlike the audio I did of Megan Hunt, so here's hoping it works out. This is Freethought heroine Adrienne Martin, winner of this year's Strong Backbone Award, speaking to a school board in Texas. We know that books are continuing to be purged. We know student library aides have been banned. We know a group of non-parents have pushed for these book removals and continue to do so. Being a taxpayer does not grant special privileges over students, staff, and parents. I do not want random people with no education background or experience determining what books my child can read, what curriculum they learn, and what clubs they can join. Just because you can get up at every meeting and rant and rave does not give you authority over my child's education. Your personal religious beliefs, people in this room and on this board, should not be affecting my child's education either. Our schools are not to be used for personal political agendas, and our children are here for education, not religious indoctrination. I implore the board to put an end to trying to appease these extremists, focus on retaining staff, providing, uh, providing excellent public education, and a safe and welcoming learning space for all students. The speaker speaking about what great Christians they are, great. Go tell your pastor. Our schools are not your church. Thank you. Thank you. Her words ring strong and true. Not that I have any faith in Texas to ever do the right thing, but she put a target on her back by saying her piece, and I hope I would be as strong and vocal if found in her position. I'm not sure if I would be brave enough, but I hope I would be. If you would like to hear an interview with her, she was on the September 29th episode of the FFRF podcast, I think just after the 31-minute mark. I would be interested in any critique anyone would have of anything she had to say, because I find none. This is reason. This is reality. This is someone fighting for actual freedom over religious rule. This is someone trying to stop the United States of America from becoming just like the Middle East. Be skeptical, damn it. Research published in Oceans and Coastal Management is showing hard times ahead for those living on coastal properties in England. 200,000 homes are expected to be in serious trouble by 2050. According to Professor Jim Hall of the Environmental Change Institute, quote, we need to have honest conversations with coastal communities that it will simply not be possible to protect every house and business from sea level rise. Unquote. This could be devastating news for some people. Entire communities are going to have to move inland. I believe there's already a shortage of homes over there, and they will never be able to sell these homes that they may have lived in their entire lives. Nobody's going to purchase a home which is going to be affected by sea level rise. 
And to top it all off, this $200,000 number includes home at risk from sea level rise only. It doesn't even count those clifftop homes at risk from erosion. Yikes. Ecotourism is a term that I had wrong in my head for years. Maybe I'm the only one? I thought of it as a bad thing, like weddings inside of icebergs and shit like that, or going to an already ecologically damaged place for looky-loos and adding to the problem with your presence. Yeah, I had that completely wrong. That's not what the term stands for at all. The eco in ecotourism is for both ecology and economy. When traveling away from your own turf, be as supportive of the local economy as possible and leave as little a mark behind as possible on the local ecology. Ecotourists can benefit the local area directly by using local people as tour guides, paying admission fees for local sites, using smaller locally owned restaurants and motels, and even making donations. Ecotourists benefit the local area indirectly through taxes on travel and accommodations. Ecotourism has a greater involvement with the local community in all steps of tourism development. They promote and encourage supporting human rights, economic empowerment, and democratic movements at their destinations. And they support the rights of indigenous inhabitants to control their land and assets. The ecology part of ecotourism is about encouraging consciousness of impact. Not my term, I read it somewhere, but I like it. We should all have consciousness of impact. Ecotourism promotes awareness of the local nature and wildlife conservations and plan activities and attractions that benefit everyone and everything. Local flora and fauna, local people, industry stakeholders, travelers, everyone involved. Ecotourism is about society as much as it is about nature. When planning a tour with a tourism company, many today claim they can offer a genuine ecotourism experience, but many are outright lying. There are things one can look for if they want to participate in this form of travel. The destination would be a natural beauty of some kind, such as forests or mountains. Travel should be occurring in the most sustainable way possible, especially around the destination. The trip should provide direct financial benefits for the indigenous people of the destination. Local people and companies should be used as guides and supported as much as possible. While there was no word for it yet, ecotourism was practiced in 1901 by the Sierra Club's outgoing program. That's when they began to have annual expeditions to the Sierra Nevada's backcountry to show their clients natural wonders in hopes that they would become activists for the preservation of these areas. The first mention of the word ecotour appears in 1973, and then ecotourism became the regular term in 1982 when the movement around sustainable travel was first beginning. It went into the dictionary as tourism to areas of ecological interest, especially to support conservation efforts and observe wildlife. Today, the interest in this form of travel is growing to the point where consumer interest in traveling responsibly has outpaced interest in the usual sun and sand tourism. And apparently, the margin between the two continues to grow. It now represents about 11.4% of all consumer spending. Other terms you may come across which pretty much stand for the same thing are green tourism, sustainable tourism, nature tourism, responsible tourism, mindful travel, conscious travel, and there's more. Those under these labels all agree that the travel industry should adopt more environmentally friendly practices, work more towards protecting the natural and cultural heritage of destinations, and support the local communities of these destinations. These can all be considered ecotours. But 
There is a lot of what I see called greenwashing out there. So buyer beware. Be skeptical before purchasing an ecotour. Check for reviews and double check any accommodations they may name. The United Nations World Tourism Organization has a list that they insist upon in order to classify as ecotourism in their eyes. It must be nature-based, and the main motivation of the traveler is to observe and appreciate both the local flora and fauna and the traditional culture of the area. It must contain both educational and interpretational features. It is generally organized by specialized tour operators for small groups, and the partners at the end destination are small, locally-owned businesses. The impacts on the natural and socio-cultural environment are minimized as much as possible. It generates economic benefits for host communities as well as the local organizations with conservation purposes. It provides alternative employment and income opportunities for local communities. It increases awareness towards the conservation of natural and cultural assets both among locals and tourists. And lastly, this type of tourism should contribute to the purpose of protected areas and not undermine them. There's a site called ecotourism.org and it also provides a similar list but with a few additions. They say that ecotourism promotes greater understanding and appreciation for nature, local society, and culture. They call for travelers to minimize physical, social, behavioral, and psychological impacts. They also call for building environmental and cultural awareness and respect and creating positive experiences, not just for the tourists, but for the hosts as well. And for the experience to raise sensitivity to host countries' political, environmental, and social climates. Wherever you are traveling, Pack light, use little resources, stay to mark trails. This is important for protecting the local flora and fauna. Buy local and carry your trash or recycling with you until it can be properly disposed of. Oh, and honor local traditions. That's all just common courtesy, really. Costa Rica is a destination which has been building up its ecotourism infrastructure for decades and has had a great effect on the local economy. As a country, they now enjoy the highest standard of living in Central America. So for them, this is working. The world seems smaller than ever today with travel so fast and easy and available to a great majority of humanity. People will always love to travel and explore, to experience what they can, to see what they can. That's understandable. It's not going to go away. But the more of us who do so with the planet in mind, the longer these things will be here so maybe the next generation can experience them as well. This is some cool science. Blood pressure. We measure it with a tight strap around our upper arm. This has always been an of-the-moment reading, as there was never a way to monitor blood pressure continuously. If you have an app that says it does so, it's a lying. The key to continuous monitoring may finally be here, however. Researchers at the University of Texas and Texas A&M University have developed a way to put the blood pressure reader on a person's wrist, which is completely non-invasive and causes absolutely no discomfort. To the person receiving it, it will look and feel like nothing more than a temporary tattoo. This temporary tattoo is actually made from very thin layers of graphene. Graphene being one of the strongest and thinnest materials in existence. It's similar to the graphite in our pencils, but the atoms are very precisely arranged into very thin layers. It being in tattoo form means it's perfectly in place all the time. It doesn't move at all. And that is really important. The reason watches can't give proper readings is that they do not necessarily stay perfectly in place 24-7. The tattoo would. It could be worn for hours, even days, providing continuous measurements when sleeping, exercising, stressed, chilling out, 
eating, all of it. It seems to me that this would fix the issue with white coat syndrome as well. Many people are only getting their blood pressure checked after sitting anxiously in a waiting room, and those readings are not going to reflect normal day-to-day -day life for those individuals. And the results have been off the charts when accuracy was compared with the options currently available. Of course they were. Blood pressure cannot be accurately measured in a moment of the day, or even several moments if you do it at home. This will be a first for learning how blood pressure fluctuates during the day for different people. A professor at Texas A&M said we will be able to quantify how stress is impacting us. That's definitely a first. The same group of researchers are now working on a second generation, which they hope to be available in five years. The upgrade will be an even smaller, still non-invasive tattoo format, and it will be designed to send information to smartwatches and iPhones. Oh my gosh, if theocracies don't take over and stop all progress like this, our next generation is going to have the most amazing access to the most amazing medical products. If you want to get into the minute details of how this tattoo works and how they got to this point, the paper was published in Nature Nanotechnology. No more notes, that's all I got. Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project more than two years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my family, who puts up with me hiding in my bedroom, reading articles, and making notes for hours at a time so I can actually do this thing. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 73 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter. There is also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias. 